peace of our Lord be with you. When they told David, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, while the ark of God and Israel and Judah remain in the field of battle, Shall I go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live, I will not do such a thing. Every three years, the lectionary places in the path of the church throughout the world those words from today's Old Testament lesson. And every time they roll back around, they drop us off one more time at the busy intersection where official power meets moral authority. Because he is king, David has far-reaching official power. Power David sometimes uses for good, but which in this case David has recklessly abused taking for himself Uriah's wife Bathsheba, which, as you know, is why David has called Uriah home from his military deployment. David is hoping that Uriah, home from the battlefront, will go to his house and spend the night with Bathsheba, which David hopes will give him cover when in the near future it becomes apparent that Bathsheba is pregnant. A plan which might have worked had it not been for Uriah's deeply grounded integrity a depth of integrity that would not allow Uriah to enjoy the comforts of home while his colleagues in arms remained on the field of battle. Leaving David at the end of the story with all the official power in the world, but Uriah with all the moral authority in the room, which, needless to say, is neither the first time or the last when official power has collided with moral authority. Take, for example, the story in Exodus chapter 1 of Shifra and Puah, midwives who in a beautiful act of civil disobedience refused to follow Pharaoh's command that they kill every newborn Hebrew boy baby they delivered, leaving Pharaoh with all the official power, but Shifra and Puah with all the moral authority. 
Or take the story in Daniel chapter 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, when ordered by King Nebuchadnezzar to worship a golden idol or be thrown into a fiery furnace, replied. This is one of the greatest sentences in all the Bible. <laughs> we do not know whether or not our God is able to deliver us from your furnace of fire. But either way, whether God saves us or not, we will not bend and bow before your statue and image. Leaving Nebuchadnezzar with all the official power, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with all the moral authority. Then, of course, there is the New Testament where John the Baptist is beheaded by King Herod for preaching too much truth too clearly. Herod holding the official power, but John the moral authority. And when the religious leaders in Jerusalem call Peter on the carpet in Acts chapter 11 for drawing the circle of his welcome too wide, the religious leaders have all the official power, but Peter has all the moral authority. And think of that 16th century European street preacher, Macon Venz, arrested for the crime of unlicensed preaching. Macon Venz was so committed to her calling that she was still preaching as the authorities led her through the streets to her execution. Her final sermon ending only when one of the guards stopped the cart in which she was being carried to her death, took a wooden screw, shoved it through the bottom of her tongue and bolted her tongue through the roof of her mouth. The arresting authorities holding all the official power but making vents all the moral authority. One imagines that none of those people, from Uriah the Hittite to Macon Venz, were sinless saints. But whatever flaws and capacities they had, notwithstanding, they all had enough integrity and courage. Integrity and courage to follow their moral compass and do the right thing even when doing the right thing exacted a great cost. Which doesn't mean that they weren't afraid. Not at all. In fact, if you aren't afraid, what would you do with some courage? If there's nothing to fear, 
you have no use for courage. To the contrary, as William Sloan Coffin once said, courage is doing the right thing even when you're scared to death. They had enough integrity. They had something in their life which mattered more to them than their own personal safety, security, and prosperity, which all of us must have. Surely there's something that matters more to us than our own safety, security, prosperity. They had, some, they had integrity. Having integrity means having something that absolutely matters more to you than your own safety, security, and prosperity. As in Uriah the Hittite, right? They had integrity and they had courage and they had enough of both to overcome their fears, follow their moral compass, and do the right thing. Even when doing the right thing exacted a great cost. All of which calls to mind for me a conversation which the Pulitzer Prize-winning writer Robert Coles reports once having with a woman who had taken a very public gospel stand for equality and justice for all persons during a time of fierce racial unrest in New Orleans. When Coles asked the woman where she found the courage and clarity to stand up and stay strong, this is what she said. Well, you have to start by having an honest talk with yourself so you can find out what you really believe is right and why. And then, once you've done that, you're ready. You are ready to act on what you know in your heart is the 100% right thing to do. Which, in my very limited experience, is indeed where the life of courage and integrity almost always begins. Even those of us who are as timid, cautious, and lacking in natural courage as myself will eventually find ourselves sitting down with and standing up for the same people Jesus would sit down with 
and stand up for if Jesus was here. If we'll just stop long enough, I mean sure enough, sisters and brothers, stop and be still and have an honest talk with our own self. Settle what we believe is right and why. And then we are ready. Ready to act on what we know is 100% the right thing to do. In fact, I would, I would even go a little further than that and say that once you sit down and have that talk with yourself, which you could do this afternoon. Sunday afternoon, it's hot outside. Once you sit down and have that truthful talk with yourself and settle on what you believe is true and right and why, then you are not only ready to act on what you know in your heart is the 100% right thing to do, but you will find yourselves at times unable not to do it. You will eventually reach a point in your life when you can't not. You can't not do and say what you know is the 100% right thing to do and say. But it almost always begins with one of those Holy Spirit moments when we have that honest talk with ourselves, find out what we really believe is right and true. After that, we can't not act on what we know to be 100% right. Not unlike Uriah the Hittite and all those other dear and good souls in our lives who help the rest of us want to be better just by being exactly who they are. You know some of those people. I do. Many of you are those people. And though you would never know it, and if you did, you wouldn't admit it, there is a magnetic spiritual field around your lives which for the rest of us bends the trajectory of our integrity and courage to more nearly match the higher, wider arc of your own. 
so thanks be to God for you. And thank you for helping the rest of us to be better just by being exactly who you are. Amen. As we come to the close of this hour of worship, we invite you to make important decisions for our Lord and our Lord's church during this time of this